Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires like the highly consumer-rated Yokohama Avid Ascend LX. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Volume. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code J-O-H-N. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus Bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash promos for deposit, wagering, and eligibility restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing? It is Thursday afternoon, and here's the game plan. We got a podcast today, hit on fields, Some Gerard Mayo said, uh, we do draft daily, so every day we're going to talk about something regarding the NFL draft. Today it will be Caleb Williams. Something Calais Campbell said in regards to gambling and the issues he has with the current status quo that is the NFL sta- uh, stance when it comes to players. It's Friday, so we got to do a little Fugazi Friday. A couple things that jumped out to me. You know I got to hit on the NBA All-Star Game, which had 7 million points. Uh, Nice Adam Silver special. And we will also do a mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the mailbag. Fire in those DMs. For next week, uh, on Sunday, I'm going to do something with Coward, who I think has been on vacation all week, living living the good life. 
So we will talk some football on Sunday. I'm traveling on Monday to Indianapolis. We'll be at the Combine on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Do not know my exact status in terms of podcasts. We'll have podcasts next week for sure. Obviously going there to talk with people and interview them. Ideally on this podcast and on camera. Was texting with uh, a guy that might have just won his third Super Bowl today. Coach Reed said he's down. My guy Howie Roseman, he's down. Uh, have some other texts out to see uh, the coaches and the GMs that I know in the league. And then we'll just be hustling. See who else we can get on the show. And we'll obviously ha- have those interviews for the next uh, couple weeks. Hopefully, hopefully we can get a lot. Uh, that's the reason I'm going. And other than that, so that, that'll be the status. So I, I don't have an exact... We'll have podcasts next week for sure. Might not have one on Tuesday, but they'll be flowing after that. But we might. Depends. Maybe I'll just do one from the hotel room when I get there Monday night, order a little room service. Uh, but it's a, it's a fluid process. So uh, I'm helping take the volume to Indy uh, and the Combine, which I've probably been six or seven times in my life. It's, it's a good time. A lot of stuff going on. It's very relaxed. It's very chill in terms of has a little bit of a Super Bowl week feel to it. But the difference is, like, all the coaches and all the GMs are there. Well, not all. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's not going to go. Sean McVay doesn't go half the time. So not everyone goes, but the majority of you guys go. So we will, uh, we will set up shop there next week. And uh, other than that, you guys know the drill. Subscribe to the podcast. We also have a YouTube channel. Subscribe to that as well. And we got merch, thevolume.com, thevolume.com. Go check out the merch three and out. But before we dive in, you know I got to tell you about my friends. At game time. They are the official ticketing app of this podcast. Spring training, NBA games, college basketball, the NCAA tournament. You want to go to a golf tournament. You want to go to a concert, comedy show. Get out of the house. It's sunny where I am right now. Go enjoy yourself. Take a loved one. Take your wife. Take your son. Take a dad. Take a brother. And go have some fun. And do it on me. Right now, download the game time app. Promo code John. J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, gets you $20 off any, any pair of tickets. Uh, I, I Honestly, I've probably used them seven times in 2023. I, I even got more aggressive going out because I was like, ah, my friends at game time, save a little money, go enjoy yourself, cannot recommend them enough. I'll start with Justin Fields, who at this point in time, as we sit here on February 22nd, I think it's inevitable he is going to be on another team. He will be traded. And the parameters of that trade will be constituted, and I would say loosely concrete, by the end of next week. Now, I am very, very unsure of his value, but I think anytime you get trades or free agency, if you have multiple teams interested, it just drives up the price. Uh, the, the problem when you get these type trades, a couple years ago, the Carolina Panthers traded for Sam Darnold and they gave up a second round pick and they also picked up his fifth year option. And then a year later, they regretted it. So these situations are complicated because you're trading a pick that usually is a cheap starter for a quarterback that obviously has some question marks if he's getting traded after his third year and the contractual obligations of, of picking up that fifth year option, which is a purely guaranteed number which I think I read somewhere it's over $20 million. So it's, it's not cheap, and uh, it's complicated. But 
he definitely is not like some bum. I just think he's a pretty flawed player. He's not a great pocket passer, as we saw down the stretch of the season, especially that final game against the Packers. But when he unfollowed everyone, and I think, listen, once the content happens, I, I can, I'm, I'll discuss it, when, especially with a, with a player like this who is kind of in limbo. I can't imagine what a loser you have to be to search players about following and unfollowing certain things. Like, get a fucking life. But someone did it, and then Justin Fields was asked about it, and he basically said, I'm tired of all the talk. I just want it to be over, and I'm about to go on vacation, and I'm just trying to enjoy myself. And as someone, and basically he alluded to, like, I'm going to look at my phone, and when I look at it, I don't want to see the stuff. I, I, I just don't. I actually thought that's one of the most relatable things I've ever heard an athlete say. Because most of these athletes claim they never look. They're all, I mean, the NBA is addicted to their phone. Football in the offseason is on it. And listen, we're all guilty as well. I, I average way too many hours a day on the cell phone. Now, you could argue I do it for work, but still, it's very, very unhealthy. I deleted Twitter from my phone because I don't want to have to look at it. It, it is a negative internet uh, smorgasbord of fucking losers being angry on a daily basis. Like, wh- why do I want these other people's thoughts, those people in the media, in my head 24-7, 365? So I deleted it. And when I have to go load something for work-wise, I'll just sign in on the internet browser. But I, I do not, I, I don't have the self-discipline. And let's face it, this cell phone and these apps, the social media apps, are as addicting of, as anything I've ever seen in my entire life. I, it's not even debatable. And listen, I use them. I, I'm not acting like I, I'm better or trying to get on my moral high horse here. But let's just acknowledge what it is. I can't imagine. I'm almost 40 years old. And when I was in college is when Facebook started. I can't imagine being 25 years old, rich, good-looking, famous, you know, seven figures worth of followers, and just seeing craziness nonstop. So I, I understand deleting something, especially... And Fields mentioned this on the podcast to the St. Brown bros. This is out of my control. Like, I, I don't control whether I stay or go. When I get traded, it's not like I asked for a trade or wanted to get traded. They traded me. And I, I think he's making a... I actually think it's very mature <laughs> what he's doing, to be honest with you. Most, you couldn't pay someone in the media to delete their Twitter account for seven days. They would jump off a bridge before they did that. So, listen, I, I have no issue doing something like this. And, and like I said, I actually think doing that is very relatable because it crosses all of our minds. I don't care what we do for a living with just the bullshit we see on these places on, on a daily basis. Anytime you fire a coach in college or the pros, if you have currently a guy that's a big like asshole, the next guy you hire is usually a really nice guy. And vice versa. If you have a really nice guy, the next guy you hire is usually like hardline, discipline, no BS guy. I actually think relationships are a lot like that. When you break up with someone, there I mean, there can be several variables, but there are a couple things that you're like, God, <laughs> that, that really drove me nuts. Well, the next girl you're going to date, you're probably looking to avoid those things. Now, there is no perfect person, just like there is no perfect coach. But it's pretty easy to avoid what you just didn't like in the other person. And the Crafts now have had four coaches. 
Bill Parcells, I mean, one of the most notorious, hardline, tough guys in the history of the sport. Pete Carroll, who is easily one of the most energetic, bubbly, smiley, positive guys in the history of football. And then Belichick, who is probably the biggest curmudgeon in the history of professional sports. Definitely in the running. And now they've hired Gerard Mayo, a guy that Belichick drafted and played for. And he made some comments this week that really stood out to me. And whether, I, I don't know the guy, I don't know if he truly believes this or not, but he said something that I just find fucking moronic. But it's something you say when your bosses have specifically talked to you about this. He said, the relationship with the media is very important. Talking about his assistant coaches, they know the relationship with the media is also very important. I think there needs to be a good relationship between the two groups. Personally, as someone who's worked on a team and now works on this side, I think that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And I'm not necessarily blaming him. I think this specifically coming from Robert and probably Jonathan. Why? Because Belichick, in his mind, had an awful relationship with the media. Right? Was gruff, was never open, was just not a fun press conference for those guys on a daily basis. And they want to pivot to be the opposite. But being in with the media or being out with the media is easily in professional sports. This is not politics where you use them for propaganda. Because even, in, in, even when you fail in the government, like no one actually cares. Where in football, like you can use media members as propaganda. But then the games happen. And it's either you win or you lose. So you can play the media for these next seven months and, you know, give them some some good information, give them some sit-downs, give them some one-on-ones. You start 0-4, you think any of those guys give a flying fuck? They're coming for your throat. Football is one of the last, it's honestly the only place, these other sports don't have it anymore, where every day is treated like win or go home in terms of the way it's covered. And I understand Mayo is trying to appease his bosses, but I, I think this is so stupid. And I think this is so, this is classic worrying about the wrong things. Belichick acted like that. And listen, it, it came pretty natural to him because he never wanted to give anything up. And once you kind of open the floodgates, you got to answer for other stuff and it just becomes a pain in the ass. Now, personally, I like it when coaches are candid, but it, it can be a pain in the ass for them. I remember Kyle Shanahan can be too candid sometimes. He says things, it's like, what? He did it multiple times this year about Steve Wilkes. Now, ultimately, he ended up firing Steve Wilkes, and it was pretty clear, or Trey Lance, or sometimes over the years. Like, I appreciate that, but it, it can make your job more difficult when you're in that position. The media is completely irrelevant. They, they, they truly are. They're just a completely separate entity. They don't control your destiny. You do. They don't even shape the narrative, because they can try. They can call you an idiot, but the moment you start winning, they can't say anything. Just like they can call you, hey, this Brandon Staley guy, he knows all of our names, he's analytically driven, and then we start watching him coach. You can write any story you want, but we all know. So I, I think like this is very predictable, but the only thing that matters in, in professional sports is winning and losing, because that ultimately shapes the story. Not having some guys like you. Belichick didn't need those guys to like him. Why? He had six Lombardi trophies. He went to nine Super Bowls. He was going to conference championships 
every single year. Like, sorry I didn't have the effort to constantly be super nice to everyone in the media room. I bet if you asked a lot of those guys throughout the years, they had a good relationship with them. I I just think optics, I truly believe this, optics is one of the dumbest fucking things. And, And for a long time, especially as social media and everyone thought the power of like Twitter and stuff, it was a big deal like with companies. It's clearly shifting because we realize how pointless all the stuff is that way. Like there's a big gap between the internet and actual reality. Uh, the What we post and what we text, what we say to our friends and what we say o- online, what you say in reality is all that matters. The reason Belichick, like, no matter what anyone wrote last year, no matter how many of us that went, like, I think he's a good coach, he was struggling to win five games. That's all that mattered. In the previous year, I think they won seven. So you start losing, no one can control positively or negatively anything about you. The, the record does. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco-alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Caleb Williams will not have an agent. And my first reaction is, why would he? He does not need one. He is at worst, and I mean it would be an enormous upset, He would be the second overall pick. But I would say sitting here right now, even before the combine, 
98%. He's going to be the number one overall draft pick. The contract's already set. Why would you give a half a percent or a percent to anyone when the contract is black and white? We know what the numbers are going to be. Everyone knows what the numbers are going to be. You could argue, I guess, over a relative cash flow on a given year, but the amount of cash, the signing bonus, it is all set in stone. Now, having an agent for your second contract, if you become a star, is important. It's much easier to get business done when you have one of those guys. But as we sit here, it's, I'd argue it's completely irrelevant. Unless he went to the combine out of shape, bad attitude, stuff like that. Like, if I'm just assuming he's been working out, he's going to go, smile on his face, interact with everybody else, he doesn't need any representation. And I'm not anti-agent, but for a guy like this, because I saw Florio wrote, like, sometimes if it starts getting nasty, none of that matters. None of the nasty, I, I always hate this time of year because stories come out about guys not being smart enough or getting in trouble, and the media always gets up in arms. I'm sorry, guys. This is a big boy business with millions of dollars on the line. And creating a market also of like bad mouthing some guys is part of the deal because I want, yeah, I'm going to leak a story that's going to talk bad, bad about a guy that I actually want on my team, and hopefully he drops. The teams have all the information. They know what's true or not. So any team worth their salt knows the BS from the reality. And the media is always like, this is so unfair. He just wants to have a balanced life. Because that always comes out like, you know, he has too many interests. And they're like, let him be balanced. Let him be like Anthony Rendon, who said that baseball is not his number one priority. Well, that's fine if you're a high school kid. If I give you 245 fucking million dollars, I, I sure hope it's your priority. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the way the world works. <laughs> you know? Listen, as long as Caleb just acts normal, uh, I think everything will be fine. And that contract, he can just put pen to paper. It's not that big a deal. Calais Campbell, who is super high-level guy, uh, was a really, really good player in his heyday. He's kind of bouncing around the league at the end of his career. You know, what's funny is I was walking around the Cosmo with Greg Papa, who is the 49ers play-by-play guy. And he told me that he wasn't allowed as a league employee to even like play blackjack or, you know, go to play. I was like, you want to play a little roulette? You want to have a cocktail? Can't. Not allowed. Like, you're not? I understand you're not being able to bet on football, but you can't go to the table. Now, I don't even know if he's correct on that, but he truly believed it. And then he claimed that Guys in the league were not allowed to gamble either in Vegas, though I saw a bunch of guys gambling. Bottom line is Calais Campbell said that he thinks the rules are stupid and clearly no one knows what's actually going on. And I, I, at first I was like, why does it even matter if you're betting on football if it's not your team? And then the more and more I've thought about it, it like most of you would agree, it's, you can't have that. I, I can't have, you know, like Joey Bosa, why can't he bet on the Super Bowl? Well, because he can call Nick, and Nick go, well, you know, Fred Warner just pulled his hamstring in practice. Or, God, our game plan sucks. I would bet against us. Right? You have inside information. But you could argue, like, these guys all cross-pollinate, but they can bet on baseball or basketball, which they're not allowed to. They have friends in those leagues. So maybe that's why. But they are not currently allowed to gamble in any other sport. And Calais was like, in what world are all the teams allowed to be in business with this stuff? And then we're not allowed to gamble on other sports. 
and I always I struggle with this one because I'm a gambler and love to gamble, and I even couldn't help myself. I bet on the Mexico Open this week. I put my picks up on uh, online. They're actually looking pretty good. <laughs> Cam Champ, Nap, and uh, who else did I bet? I forget, but this is a very slippery slope. But at the end of the day, the players benefit from this too because they share the revenue. I do think this stuff is complicated because for so long they've had a hardline stance. We do not mess with gambling. They're not federally legal, but state by state, they just opened the floodgates and did it. Though, like, the Arizona Cardinals can have a DraftKings sponsorship in their stadium and have a casino, same with Mark Davis and the Raiders, but Jed York is not allowed, right? So there are still some barriers from team to team, but I I do think you just got to give it time. I do think over time, they'll pivot and they will try to be, I guess, more fair in terms of, yeah, this, this is a little bit of an archaic way of thinking. But, I mean, you still open the internet and see, like, oh, Darius Rucker got a DUI. Well, actually, he wasn't drunk. He wasn't even high. He just had weed in the car. Like, I, how could anyone, re- like, I, I can't relate to that. If I pressed a button right now, there'd be, you know, I'd get a weed, it's not even a weed dealer. I'd just have a company come to my house, give them a credit card, and they'd be like, what do you want? You want edibles? Do you want roll joints? Do you want pens? <laughs> and then here's the credit card. I pay tax on it. So I, I think as society changes, we just got to catch up. And the league has to catch up. And I think they're very sensitive to this because I, I don't think they ever want their, one of their players to get involved in a situation, non-football, where it's like, well, this guy bet on the NBA Finals. Turns out he's really good buddies with one of the guys on the team. I, I guess I, that, that would be the only logic. Because other than that, to me, it would be open just open the floodgates. Let him do everything but bet on football. Because even Calais Campbell goes, I understand we can't bet on football. That's fine, and that is fair. But betting on these other sports, I can't, I can't bet on a baseball. I can't bet on the World Series. I, I can't bet on the NBA. You can. Why, why can't I? Let's end it with Fugazi Friday. And uh, sometimes I, I'm trying to get consistent with these, not forget about it, but I, I, it hit me the other day. This, this is going to be my... Well, actually, let's just... We'll, go, we'll blow through this first Fugazi. I mean, I, I think... Listen, the NFL dealt with this because their game became a giant... Just embarrassment. You could not play like they were playing. So they scrapped it, and they went to flag football. And it still does five or six million people watching. I I haven't watched one snap of it. But I I think they they all acknowledge, wave the white flag. We're not even going to try to play a real game anymore. Let's just dick around. Hell, you could be drunk or high out there with having flags on. Baseball has always been able to have a normal game because you can just play a baseball game like, if you go to a spring training game or a regular season game or the all-star game, it's like you're just playing baseball or not. There, there's no way to kind of half-ass it, right? You're still pitching hard. You're throwing your pitches. You're trying to hit. It's just it's pretty normal. It's, it's the easiest to actually operate without having to worry about injuries. Basketball, to me, is much closer to baseball than it is football. Now, basketball has always had an element of screwing around a little bit in the all-star game. But there have been a lot of videos going viral from when I was in like high school and college. And a lot of it revolved around Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. Guys just playing hard. There were almost 400 points scored in that All-Star game. Adam Silver learned a valuable lesson. Adam, I don't care how much you try to be the player's friends. They don't give one shit about anything you say. 
Because his whole thing is like, he had a talk with them, thought they were going to play hard, and they've never played less hard. They've, they, they couldn't have cared less. And that game is one of, like, again, I, this is not for me. Uh, that, the, the weekend is no longer for me. It, it just, it, it lost its luster a long, long time ago. But you can't have a NBA basketball game with the best players scoring over 200 points. Like, that, that just, that can't happen. So that's the number one Fugazi going. The NBA All-Star game is just, talk about, talk about a disaster. I've always been a good tipper. When I had no money in college or early on in my professional career, I'm making 20, 30, 40 grand. If I went to a restaurant and someone was good, I tipped you. It's why I actually always tip well on DoorDash and Uber Eats orders. Like you are doing a service that I do not want to do. You're going somewhere, picking it up and driving it to me. Like that's, I appreciate that. Any industry where you go above and beyond for me, I have no problem tipping you. I, I don't, you don't need to throw something in my face when I give you the card a tip. Like I, I want to tip you. There has this culture of, and I noticed it a couple years ago in like CVS's and Target's and McDonald's. Like, do you want to donate to the charity? Well, if I donate to charity, let's say I give 10 grand to a charity. Like, obviously I'm trying to do something good, but you get the credit of being able to write $10,000 either off your company or your income. Well, if all these companies that are taking that right now, I, I can't even imagine the write-off CVS is getting right now in terms of when you like, oh, donate a dollar, all these companies. It, it's, a, it's a giant, it, that, you talk about a Fugazi. But when I drive to Starbucks and I get a $6 iced coffee, which makes me very happy. I don't, I don't spend much time, like I, I make coffee at home, but sometimes I just want an iced coffee, uh, an ice, a cold brew with vanilla cold foam is, is my drink. And hell, it's, it's almost $7 for the large one. And then they get up to you and they hand you the thing and they've just handed you the drink. They didn't even make it. They're just handing it to you. And they look at you as you're kind of pressing the button and you're, you're paying $7 for a coffee that costs fucking Schultz and company $2 to make max. And they're just staring at you. And there's this weird, there's become this like shame and eye contact. Wait, you're not going to tip me? Like it's my fault that you're working for this Fortune 500 company that's, listen, if you had done something for me to deserve a tip, I have no problem with it. I'm just using Starbucks as an example. It's happening everywhere. It is out of control. Something, and again, I am pro-tipping. I hate cheap people. I, I despise, I try to avoid cheap people. And I'm not just trying to butter myself up here. I, I, I am a legitimately a, a pretty solid tipper. But the, the, the tipping on like $3 things, $7, I've always thought as someone that was single for a long time in like my late 20s who would pick up, who wouldn't cook that often. I would go pick up dinner. Because I, I remember Drew Brees got shamed years ago for going to get a couple pizzas. I fucking drove to you. <laughs> like I ordered the food. I'm picking up $50 in pizzas or $25 in burgers and fries or whatever. I'm coming, I'm paying to come here and then I'm paying for the meal and then I give you a tip for just handing me the thing. It, it just, it, it baffles my mind. It, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, it really doesn't. I think we are broken. We are broken. Now, I don't expect no one's more incompetent than the government so they won't fix it. But someone has to come in. There has to be some universal agreement for industry standards. Like some industries, 100%, you tip if they do a solid job. Other, the, tipping's not even an option. 
unless I want to give you an extra. It shouldn't be on when they hand me the thing for the credit card. It shouldn't even be an option. And then when it is an option and you're like, you don't deserve a tip and you fucking give me those eyes. Like, you know, they're kind of screwing me here. That's not my problem. I could be getting screwed in my line of work too. So I, I just, I think this whole tipping thing and obviously it got accelerated over the last several years. It, it is just one of the craziest Fugazis I've ever seen. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, let's dive into the mailbag. You guys know the drill. At John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. From Ryan. Are you surprised the NFL doesn't have a track man for their kickers to simulate the yardage and wind when they are kicking into the net, warming up, like how track man to simulate the golf round. Honestly, never crossed my mind, but kind of genius. I would say the difference, though, is it's one thing to practice on the track man indoor simulator in golf. No golfer, and if we're using a kicker, so you're talking like a PGA golfer, just like a professional kicker, you'd actually go to the range or you actually go to the course. Because you want to see the ball fly. So, I hear what you're saying. I I, kind of understand it, maybe in like OTAs or training camp, but in terms of games, and even game week, 
you want to kick. I think the kicking into the net is more just warming up your leg, right? Because you kick before the game and you kick at halftime, so you see the flight. I, I think it's just to keep the motion down, less about where the ball's going. But I've never kicked in the NFL, so that's a uh, good question. What do you think happens with Dayball and the Giants? As a Giants fan, I'd like to think they can compete this year. But it ain't looking that promising. (laughs) If they do miss the playoffs and the offense looks like dog shit again, would you fire him? Even after winning coach of the year in his first year. Obviously, there's the behavioral stuff with him, which if he doesn't clean that, he's 100% gone. One thing's pretty clear. The Giants and John Mara is big on like old school values and looking right and kind of conducting yourself in a certain level. I know through, because I know people that quote-unquote covered the team, uh, you know, as writers and people that are around the team every day. I, I, listen, I, I was with the Eagles, so I kind of have a feel for the Giants. You as a fan and people that cover the team know. Like, it's, it's a pretty old-school organization. They, they did not, they're not on board with the way everything played out with Wink and, and Dayball and the articles coming out about the way he acted. Like, let's face it. I know they fired Tom Coughlin. But they like more of a presidential operation. And Dayball, which I can appreciate, a little rough around the edges, right? Now, when you're the boss, there's a way to treat someone and the way not to treat someone. And clearly, everything that came out of there, that it's, it's not ideal. And, and people don't like working there. But like you said, and, and we talked about this on the podcast portion, optics and all that stuff, even Wink Martindale said, nothing changed from year one to year two. We lost. When you win, it covers up everything. That's why the only thing that matters in the National Football League is winning. And this year, they were hard to watch. I mean, they were an embarrassment, right? I, I, don't, I don't think he's necessarily on the hot seat because he replaced two people that were two and done, two and done, right? Shermer, Joe Judge, like it was pretty ugly. So if he can just have them competitive, I would say seven to nine wins and they miss the playoffs. I think he's getting a fourth year. But I don't think he can afford another just, like you said, dog shit season. So I I definitely think there's some pressure. Here's the other thing. They play in a division which Cowboys are a playoff team. Eagles are a playoff level team. And now we'll see what Washington does. Like, are they just much more buttoned up next year? Do they hit on the quarterback? All of a sudden you're looking, if that organization is no longer a joke, and is well run and winning. And when I say winning, just I mean competing to be uh, an above 500 team, you're going to have a problem. With Caleb Williams being deemed a generational talent, do you think him being on a bad USC team helps him long term? For example, we see guys come from undefeated teams like Lawrence, not a generational talent, and to a lesser degree, Fields, and see them struggle. Even Burrow had a bad year at LSU, he also had a transfer. Be, not not like Caleb Williams transferred to follow his coach. Transferred because Urban Meyer said you're never playing here. Yeah, I would say it would be a positive long term. That he just didn't go undefeated this year and it was really easy. That his team and his defense was so shitty that he had to figure out ways. To just, if, if he didn't have some moments, now he played bad in some games. But like Mahomes winning seven, eight games. And if he wasn't brilliant, they're not going to a bowl game. So yeah, I, I think there's definitely some merit to what you just said. I have a question about choosing content for the show. 
I've noticed in de- in recent years that by about Wednesday after the Super Bowl, most of the national radio shows and pods start talking heavy about the NBA. I understand you need to start weaning off football some, but they talk NBA like it's popular is equal to the National Football League. Drives me nuts and is an instant turn the channel for me. I don't care about meaningless and boring regular season basketball and the TV ratings bear it out. I'll never understand the logic for covering the NBA this aggressively. As someone in the content business, do you have any insight why they do this? I've never had a national radio show. I mean, I have a national podcast, but I I can talk about whatever I want, right? And obviously, we talk football 365 here. And we just do golf because I like golf. I'm a football guy. Football is the biggest sport going, and football is what I enjoy talking about and obviously what people enjoy consuming. For a long, long period of time in the business, and as I, I just grew up a sports talk radio listener, is you would just play the seasons. So if you're older, you would talk about the NBA because that's just what you did. And I think there's an element to that, right? Where I'm 39 years old. Most of my friends, just like most of the people looking at the television ratings, aren't consuming the sport like they used to. But I do think old habits die hard. So I think there's some of that. But I also think some some people in the media probably just like the NBA. They actually watch it. I no longer do. So I, I, I can't. I don't know. I, I don't really listen to, like, I don't know. I don't consume as much content. I actually consume NBA content in a weird way. Not like the breakdowns of individual games like you, I don't care, but the big picture stories. Uh, I listen to some NBA pods uh, for entertainment value, but I don't watch the game. But you don't have to worry about that here. We're talking football, football, and more football with some golf because that's what I watch and that's what I like. Listen, I, I can't speak for anyone else. I, I do think a lot of people just like the NBA that talk about sports. I like I like baseball a lot, but we're not talking here on the podcast. What do you think Saquon will wind up wind up next season? I think it's going to be very very interesting this off season when it comes to these running backs because last year they got very very angry. Nothing changed. Absolutely nothing changed. It's going to happen again. Saquon, uh, Josh Jacobs, right? These guys, you know, Jonathan Taylor got an extension. Clearly, it wasn't that much money. I don't know, man. I I think that it's the same conversations are going to come up. They're getting screwed. This is BS. Look at Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey's better than you guys. He's like a hybrid wide receiver. He's a very unique player. He's also been under contract. The 49ers, and it'll be interesting because Kyle Shanahan loves a guy. But I wouldn't be in the business of paying running backs either. I've been trying to kill this cricket. We have this, you know, like a beverage fridge in the kitchen island. And somehow a cricket got way underneath it. And I can't really pull out the beverage fridge. And every night, this cricket goes nuts. It sounds like he's right next to your ear and we are far away from the cricket. And I've had people on Instagrams, chat GPT, I've Googled it, how to take out a cricket. And the one thing, you know, that that I put a light there overnight and a bowl of water with honey around the rim, hoping to, uh, I, I could drown the cricket, has not worked. I don't know what to do. 
but it's me versus the cricket. Right now, the cricket is dominating. I'm from Portugal, and I've been following the NFL for about three years. Love it. When, we're, when are we going to see teams firing the coach to promote their offensive coordinator? For example, if the Saints have a good season, like one playoff win, and a good offense, quotations, unlikely, what are the odds of them firing Dennis Allen, we know he isn't that good, and promoting Kubiak? This would also prevent teams from hiring. What do you think? We're going to see it inevitably, you know, eventually. It's, it's inevitable, right? Let's face it. If the Eagles had a do-over, they would hire Shane Steichen, right? Like, I, I'm not, it's not like I'd ask Howie that. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even touch the su- subject. But, like, it's pretty clear. Like, it, it doesn't take, you don't need to be in the organization to know, like, what coach would you rather have? And I'm trying to think of another recent example. You know, the good example would be Bobby Slowick and D'Amico Ryans. Like, the one thing is pretty clear, D'Amico's good, right? D'Amico is good. Just like I thought Vrabel was good. You wouldn't hire Arthur Smith over Vrabel. If you have a good defensive coach, you keep him around, and you just have to lose your offensive coordinator. When you have two offensive coaches, and one guy isn't calling the game, and the other guy is, and then you see him go somewhere else, you're like, Jesus, screwed up there. I'm a 21-year-old junior at Iowa State. My hairline has recently started to recede badly. Thinking of going bald once I graduate and get a real job. Any advice? When I started going bald, it was also in college. I remember being at Cal Poly and looking down at the desk and seeing hairs. And I used to have really, really thick, like bushy hair. I didn't think that much of it, and then it got progressively worse. I did not recede, though. Mine just fell out. And if I grew it out right now, I would have little to no hair on the top of my head. My advice, listen, I I think this is probably one of the more insecure situations for any man. You just kind of got to play it by feel. You you get to a point where you know it looks really bad. If you can keep it short and it doesn't look that bad, even if it's receding a little bit, you you see a lot of forehead, rock it. But there does get to a point where there's the point of no return. And when you get to the point of no return, you just got to pull the trigger. Here's when I did it. When I worked at Fresno State, we took a team picture one time at a bowl game. Or it wasn't a team picture. It was like pictures that the school was taking at practice. And there was like a team huddle. And the picture was from like above and behind at like the head coach, you know, addressing the team. And I was on the outside of it. And you could see the back of my head. And there was a lot of head and not a lot of hair. And everyone used to kind of make fun of me. And I actually got the nickname. We were playing Nevada one year. It was actually my second year there. And uh, this is when Kaepernick was on the team. They were pretty good. They actually kicked our ass that game. Ryan Matthews got knocked out of the game. And the turf, there, there was like the turf on the Nevada field. If you kind of like moved your hands or moved your foot by it, it just, you could see the bottom of kind of like the rubbery part. It was very, it was like very thin hair. And a dude, Eric Brown, who now coaches Clovis West in Fresno, who was a player on the team, who got injured, who was then like coaching, said, Middlecoff, this looks just like your hair. And my nickname became Turf. And a lot of people from Fresno, that's my nickname. They call me Turf because the Turf represented my, my thinning hair. I think you just know. And once you do it, 
you kind of never regret it. And I know some people, I mean, I, I could afford to get hand, probably hair transplants right now. But the problem with hair transplants is it just replaces the hair that you already have. So it's not like I could just go, I want Brad Pitt's hair. I want Tom Brady's hair flow. And even he's had them. But I, I think I just get the hair that I used to have, which wasn't honestly that great. You seem always to give good advice on the pod. I admire the platform you've created. I'm 19 years old, and I'm almost feeling stuck. Everyone says that you're young and you have time, but I'm almost not sure where to even start. I'm in D2D sales right now while also working part-time. What advice would you give for just getting out there and starting something, whether it's a small business, a real estate, or even growing a personal brand, or really any way sort of to start making money? What did you do to start your journey of success? I followed what I liked. That was the key to my... Listen, not everyone is the same. We all run different races. But I'm not smart enough to... like. I, I couldn't have just gone to work somewhere and been super dynamic in any industry. So I had to follow what I was passionate about doing. And in my 20s, that was football, obviously. I worked in football. And you work long days. and it was not easy, and I did not make any money. When a lot of my friends with college degrees were making hundreds of thousands of dollars at different companies, but luckily, like I didn't have that much envy or jealousy in terms of money. Like I'm actually not like listen. I live a pretty expensive lifestyle, but money doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything for me. I just have you know expensive taste. Like I like playing golf. <laughs> I like you know the nice gym or whatever. But for the most part, like. I'm not money-driven in the sense that I like to gamble. But I, I, I don't, like, it doesn't get me off. I, you could send me a $20 million wire right now. Like, Colin's like, you guys just hit $20 million. Here's $20 million. I'm not saying I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't smile. I wouldn't fucking be able to do some stuff with it. But it doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't do that much for him. For me, personally. Some people are. I, I've always said, though, I think most people that are successful, and I was lucky growing up, some of my friends' grandparents, the guy my dad worked for, they all, every single one of them that were rich really were addicted to what they did. Whether it was farming, I, I knew a buddy's dad that was CEO of a health company, and it's just like, they, they just loved it. And they could do it seven days a week. It's why these football coaches are so successful. They're addicted to football. So the easiest way to become successful is to find what you like and then go down that path. Now, depending if you go, if what you love is finance, yeah, you're going to get closer to money faster. But if what you like is some of these other industries, it might not be the case, but it will set you on the path. When you like doing something, you end up doing more of it and having no problem because no matter what you do, you're going to end up working. So if you like what you're doing when you're working, you don't really look at it like you're working. What did Belichick say forever, right? Sure beats being a plumber. I mean, he, he, the guy was working 20 hours a day for fucking 45 years, for nine months a year. But the dude loved football as much as anybody. And obviously, he's talented at it. We all have different talent levels, probably whatever we do. But I think the easiest way is to not think short term. And that's the best advantage you have when you're 19. You have so much time left. So you you got to think big picture. Can't think, well, how am I going to make money for the next two months? And I'm not talking about like, how am I going to eat or pay the rent? 
I, I just think a lot of people make decisions on like, well, you could do this job that you'd really love, especially if you're 19 or 20 or 21 or whatever, in your 20s, this pays you half as much or a quarter as much as this other job that you don't care about at all. So even, let's just pick some numbers. Let's say I gave you a job of something you really like to do. I mean, really like to do for 30 grand. Or you could work at this insurance company and with bonuses and stuff, you might make 100 grand. 90% of people are like, oh, you got to take the 100 grand, more than 3x the number. Well, I think big picture, that $30,000 job, if that's your passion, whatever that may be, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but is better off big picture if it truly is a good opportunity. And I, I guess early on, I don't even know, I didn't have that many options. Like I, I, I never gave myself like a fallback. You know, if this doesn't work or I don't like this, I'll go work and uh, I'll try to get a job at a bank. You know, or I'll, I don't pretend to be some like born entrepreneur. So I was kind of forced into it. And then I realized I'm much better being in the space of not being a W-2 employee, having ownership in the stuff gives me excitement. But the reason I was able to do that in my mid thirties was because like the first 12 years of my life, you know, two years at Fresno State, three years in the NFL, uh, four years in radio, right from 22 to like 32, I guess it wasn't 15 years, 10 plus years of working. I never made a hundred grand. I got multiple fucking degrees. I mean, I, I had friends because Silicon Valley was taken off working for some of those companies that had seven figure years. Definitely a lot of people making half a million dollars, like in their late, early, you know, late 20s. Again, that's not necessarily normal, but given where I was living, the perfect timing, the industry is crushing it. Luckily, I didn't even care. I was like, that. Yeah, that's a sweet house you bought. I'm living over here in this little shitty apartment. But I liked what I did. So I never like felt envious of like, God, I wish I was uh, with you, you know, working at Wells Fargo. I don't know if I, hopefully I somewhat answer your question. Been following since the uh, scouting days at Fresno. As a lifelong Browns fan, I don't know how you would have done that, but if you did, that's cool. As a lifelong Browns fan, can we ever shake the narrative of being a dumpster fire organization? Over the past five or six years, we've been competitive and made the playoffs a couple times, which is more than a lot of teams can say throughout the same span. Obviously, we have to do it longer, but it seems like people continue to rip us as the same old Browns. Also, what are some real expectations for us this season? With Deshaun and all the other guys getting healthy, I think winning the division isn't too far-fetched. I don't think you can win the division with the Deshaun Watson we've seen the last couple of years. We've talked about this during the season. We'll talk about it now. His salary cap triples. It hit 19 million to like 60 plus. I think it's like 62 or 63. So your team was pretty stacked last year. Just you know, you had a bunch of injuries and you were still really good because your cap was big and you had a lot of good players. Those days are over. You need Deshaun Watson now to be competitive with Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. What Justin Herbert's probably about to be with Jim Harbaugh. You need him to be a Pro Bowl level guy. If he's not, you're completely screwed. If he's good, then yeah, you're going to be a double digit win team. But he cannot be the guy we've witnessed the last year and a half. He can't. Because if he is, you're dead on arrival. You have, you have no shot. If he's good, then yeah, you could win 11, 12 games. Again, when I, I mean good, like 35 touchdown good. Started listening to you. Season inspired me to start my own podcast. 
No one asks. Sports podcast. If you're not allowed, want to say this on there? Yeah, I can say it. No one asks. Sports podcast. That wish I had started years ago. Loved your take on the Live PGA issue today and couldn't agree more. I don't know the ins and outs of the potential merger, but it would greatly benefit both parties' wallets if they got it sorted out. Obviously, an entirely different sport, but it reminds me of the IndyCar cart split in the 90s. Open wheel racing in America has still never recovered from that, and I fear the PGA Live don't merge ASAP. It could have the same long-term repercussions of the sport. I appreciate you. Yeah, I, I just think anytime you have a sport that is top-heavy in talent, I, tennis has this, golf has this, the NBA has this. If I take of your 10 best players, half of them, to another league, you're in major trouble. This is what the, the uh, USFL tried in the 80s. It was like Reggie White, Steve Young. They started buying all these players Doug Flutie, I think. I, I, I'm not Belichick as a football historian. Hell, I was born in 84. But Jim Kelly. If they would have done that for 10 years, it would have been a problem. Like last I checked, having those guys in the NFL was Steve Young, Jim Kelly, and Reggie White kind of mattered. So they, they just can't operate the way they're operating. Especially because the, golf is not mainstream like football. Right? It, it, it is very, very dependent on the lead guys to carry them on a weekly basis. And right now, it's just simply a disaster, which makes me sad. Now, it's also why I gamble on the Mexico Open, because I'm going to be interested no matter what, because I got a little cash on some guys. I was wondering, do you believe that one of the teams that are indeed in need of a young quarterback would think about signing Russell Wilson to let the rookie sit for a year? I think Russell Wilson is not the guy that you would let a rookie sit behind. He's too famous. There's too much drama around him. I think he's the opposite of the type of guy you want around a young rookie quarterback. So I, I think that those teams, we all know them, that are potentially going to draft a quarterback, I don't think they'd be interested in Russell Wilson. I saw Chuch Ocho Cinco said the Steelers. That makes some sense. Like Kenny Pickett at this time, he's like 25 years old. Maybe he's just not good enough. Mason Rudolph's a good backup. You just bring in Russell Wilson, you start him. That To me, that makes a lot of sense. That's the type move where the, the Broncos are paying the salary. He gets cut. You sign him for like $2 million. They pay the other $38 million. So he's basically making $40 million. So to him, whatever. And he gets to start for the Steelers. It actually makes a lot of sense. You think the Vikings' only option for getting one of the top quarterbacks in the draft is to trade Jefferson to get one of the top draft picks? I'm hearing a lot of steam about the Vikings wanting to trade up in the draft, but I don't see how that's possible without trading Jefferson or multiple first-rounders, which I do not see our front office doing as we are in our division and need the capital to rebuild our defense. I think when you look historically at quarterbacks, like how often do guys that go one, two, three? Two of those guys usually suck. It's one thing if you're sitting there to draft the guy. But how often do teams trade up out of nowhere and draft the guy and then feel good about that guy 10 years later? Remember a couple years ago, the Rams and the Eagles traded up. They got Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Neither guy was on the team five years, six years later. So the, a lot of guys that got drafted, like even in the mid-first round, historically have been good players. So I think sometimes you can be a little more patient 
I think you got to be very careful about forcing things in the draft. Because when you force moving way up for a quarterback, it'd be like overextending yourself on a house and then having, if it doesn't work out, all of a sudden you're looking at a disastrous situation. You know, you overextended yourself on the house, economy turns, and you're screwed. Interest rates are high. Now listen, if that area booms, your house goes up, doubles, you don't even think twice. Like Greatest investment I ever made. You trade up and you get some star quarterback. You don't even, you'll never, it never crosses your mind again. It was worth, every, we would have traded, the Chiefs trading up for Patrick Mahomes would have given 10 ones for Patrick Mahomes. But when it doesn't work out, it's a pretty big kick in the you know what. It's happened to the Bears twice in like five years. Mitch Trubisky at two and then trading up for Fields. Neither guy's going to be on the team. <laughs> it's a disaster. At least, and here's the other thing. When you miss on a position player, at least the guy can play. Right? Let's just say you take a defensive lineman who's not that, who's never going to be worth the top 10 pick or 5 pick. I saw the Raiders did it with Cleveland Farrell and the Niners did it with Solomon Thomas. You can still play those guys. They can still play 20, 30 snaps. So yeah, you regret the pick, but he's still playing well for you. When you miss on the quarterback, like the Steelers, you're like, well, we even want to start this guy? You can't play two quarterbacks at once, so he's kind of worthless. Been listening to the pod for two years and love your takes and honesty. I wanted to ask, although they just played in the Super Bowl, could you see the possible trade Brandon Ayuk to the Chiefs? It would give Pat another premier receiver, along with Rice, and not only add a deep threat, but a great yak receiver for defenses trying to limit. Brandon Ayuk would be incredible on the Chiefs. I just don't see the 49ers... Several years back, they traded Buckner for pick 13. It was like DeForest Buckner was not worth the 13th pick. Their problem is they picked the wrong guy. They took Kinlaw. They should have just taken Wirfs. They got cute. To me, you can't trade Brandon Ayuk for pick 32. It's not enough value. It's worth it for you then to just pay him. Now, if someone offers you pick 15, you got to think about it. You got to think long and hard about it. But I don't think, first and foremost, I don't think 32 is enough. He's too good for you. He had 1,500 yards. He's 24. He blocks. He's an incredible player for the Niners. But there is like, how many guys can you pay? How much money does he want? How can the Chiefs afford to give him $25 million a year? Maybe they could backload the deal. I think the Chiefs would be interested for sure. But I don't, I don't see the Niners doing that. Love the pod. Been listening for around six months now. What would the number one priority this offseason if you were the Colts general manager? Uh, that's a good question. Also, as a fellow time, full-time creator, congrats on all the success with the podcast. I appreciate that, Tanner. I'd be lying if I said I had like a complete breakdown on the Chiefs, ro- or excuse me, the Colts roster. You know, in theory, they have their quarterback. Uh, they have a running back under contract. Feels like they could use a little more juice on the outside. Pittman's solid, but you know, a true number one wide receiver or a tight end, like an impact playmaker, uh, I think would definitely help in the passing game with Anthony Richardson. You always could improve the defense, a pass rusher. You could never have enough of those. And same with the offensive line. So I would say Ballard either go line or a playmaker would, would be my guess. But that's I, I feel much more strongly on some of the, you know, the Bills, 
the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Niners, the Cowboys, the Eagles. Just I, I don't watch as much AFC South, just being completely real with you. Besides, like I, I paid attention to the Texans, but I, I wasn't super locked into you guys. I would love to get Ballard on the pod. I've tried to get him before. He goes on Colin a lot. Maybe I can grab him and tell him Colin wants him to come on my pod. The NFL is hyper-focused on the theme of you can't win without a top-shelf quarterback. Given those are rare, is it possible for a team to win with a mid-level quarterback to winning with a Ravens-type or Bucks-type defense? Well, those defenses don't really exist, right? The, the best defense in the league this year was the Ravens, and they played probably by the end of the season. The two best defenses in the league toward the end of the season were the Chiefs and the Ravens, and they played each other in the AFC Championship. So, yeah. Now, both those teams have Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. But I think if you have a really good defense, like a super... If the Ravens had just played with Gardner Minshew, they would have been really, really hard to beat. If you have a top two or three defense in the NFL and your quarterback is just capable, you can compete. Are you going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not. Because the day and age of those defenses are probably over. Because you could kill people. Part of their defense wasn't just you couldn't score on them. They were knocking people out of the game. Well, you're no longer really knocking guys out of the game. But you are holding people to not that many points. Even the Ravens held the Chiefs 17 points. Chiefs held the Ravens 10 points. Chiefs held the Niners to 19 points going into overtime. I mean, they didn't score that many points most of the season. So I, I think when you look at the NFL, defense is still really, really important at the highest level. The best defenses are typically the ones that win a championship. And the Chiefs won it. Who knows? Maybe the Ravens win that game. They beat the Niners. The Niners' defense actually was kind of coming apart, which was part of their problem. It wasn't as good as it had been. If their defense was better, shit, they're the Super Bowl champs. So I I think we're never going to see the 85 Bears or the 2,000 Ravens or, you know, the John Gruden, John Lynch, you know, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks-type defense. Even that Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman defense with Pete Carroll, they were killing people. Vernon Davis's career was never the same when they knocked him out in a game. They, they were just, they were hitting people so hard. The Ravens and the Chiefs were doing the equivalent of that in 2024, the way they tackled, the way they hit. But for the most part, like, decapitating people and sending them, you know, to the blue tent every other play is kind of done. You just need to tackle really well, have a good pass rush, and play good red zone defense. But I... I I mean, Mahomes feels like he's winning the Super Bowl every year. And if he doesn't, then Josh Allen might, right? And Brock Purdy had a Pro Bowl-level season. Like, Brock Purdy's season was better than Trent Dilfer's or Brad Johnson's or whatever, right? Those guys weren't throwing 32 touchdowns, and they couldn't run like that. So, I would would probably, I guess, come to the conclusion of it's going to be difficult to, uh, to obtain... Or, or t- for us to see something like that again. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases 
you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.